This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to part two of The Fantastic World. I'm Greg Airbar, author of Hanna-Barbera, The Recorded History, available for pre-order now. Let's rejoin our guest, George Feltenstein, to discuss some long-awaited Hanna-Barbera classics and how we might help get them released. First up, George talks about some of the most recent Blu-ray hits. Jetsons was really, really well-received and successful. And Johnny Quest, we did the same thing. And then Space Ghost. Of course, Flintstones had been done by the mothership, as I call the main (laughs) Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. And uh, I was not involved in that, but it was certainly needed to be done. We took some flack for putting out the Jetsons as the original series. It was like, what about season two and three? And it's like, "Um, well, that was a reboot, folks. People don't understand, because that was almost 40 years ago, Mm -hmm. 35 years ago. But the big problem was, and this will relate to Superstars 10, I think all but one or two episodes of season three, if you will, the reboot of the Jetsons, has no film. It was output to tape only. There are no film elements. Mm -hmm. And on the Superstars 10, there are two features where there was no film out. The Yogi and the Invasion of the Space Bears and Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, they were digital ink and paint, no film out, no film elements. They were straight to one-inch tape. Hannah and Barbera were both very cost-conscious, and they saw this as a way to save money, but they weren't thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what we did was we went back to the best one-inch tapes. That's an even oxymoron to say. We did an HD up-res up-convert, and the quality is really remarkable considering it's coming from a one-inch videotape. But because of that deficiency, we have a note at the beginning of the program as well as on the packaging explaining why it won't look as good as the others. Mm -hmm. And then that's why we added Scooby Goes Hollywood (laughs) to Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf and we added the Yogi's Ark Lark episodes from Yogi's Gang as a bonus on uh, Yogi and the Invasion of the Space Bears because those are film, true HD, real great looking. I just wanted the consumer to have a little extra value. But we're presenting everything as it was originally intended, which was a work of 10 features. If we had left those two out, because of deficiency in quality, it would have been very lopsided. And our goal is, if this is successful, 
I'm hoping that we'll be able to do more of the special movies mm -hmm. and specials and all sorts of different things that people have been asking about. The one I'm really hoping we can do someday, and there's very expensive music clearance involved, but it's the new Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland. What's yes. a nice kid like you doing in a place oh, like this? You know, you get that on, and there'll be a special place in heaven for you, because that's my favorite thing they have ever done. And I have not seen it since childhood, so I can only go by memory. But I just know that it has a great reputation, and they got very, very famous songwriters to write the score, and as a result, that's why you haven't seen it, because we have to find a financial arrangement to clear the music. And music yeah. clearance is a... It's now very famously written about when you have shows like Moonlighting, you know, making the headlines of major newspapers because of music clearance and what it took to get it back in circulation. What we face with music clearance on television programming is pretty horrific. Thankfully, most Hanna-Barbera productions don't have music clearance issues, thanks to the great late Hoyt Curtin. Yes. His work for higher compositions that were so unforgettable, those are not a problem. It's when something else was introduced mm -hmm. from outside the bubble, that's where things get complicated. And of course, the early years where they didn't have work for higher compositions in the very, very early shows... For example, that's why there is no rough and ready DVD. But we would like to change that. And mm -hmm. we're now finding ways to make some of those things happen. You take everything a step at a time. I don't give up easily. My favorite story to tell about not giving up was I started my home video career as a young lad in New York at MGMUA Home Video. And my first day there, I asked about Popeye cartoons because I knew that MGMUA had announced a cassette, the best of Popeye, mm -hmm. and it never came to be. So I wrote a memo and I said, why is why can't we move forward with Popeye? And they explained to me that King Features sent MGMUA a notice, a cease and desist, that they did not have home use rights mm. to the character. And they acceded to the request of King Features. They did not release it. And it was considered something they owned, and it went from MGMUA to Turner Entertainment Company, but there was no home use rights. I kept approaching people at King Features over the years as I went from MGMUA to Turner to Warner Brothers trying to get a deal made. And finally, I think it was around 2005 or 2006, we were able to come to an agreement and have the support of King Features as we started bringing out the Fleischer black and white Popeyes. And that was probably a 15-year journey, but I didn't give up. So I do not give up easily. I still will pursue the projects. I would like to see all four seasons of Huckleberry Hound. I would like to see Quick Draw McGraw. I'd like to see New Adventures of Alice in Wonderland. But in the meantime, we have such a goldmine of treasures that are clear, that are ready for release, or that can be made ready for release. And that's the direction we're taking on right now. So when we announced the Hanna-Barbera Superstars 10 recently, I was really, I can't say I was surprised, but I was delighted by the support 
huge number of people of all ages posting on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I've been wanting these forever and I never thought we'd get anything better than DVD. This is amazing, you know, and I grew up with this. I still have my VHS tape. Now I can have a Blu-ray. We were able to put it together in a way that is, I think, really attractive pricing because the collection is basically the equivalent of $7 a movie. I didn't want people to be forced to buy a whole collection. If, For example, if they were just Yogi Bear fans or mm-hmm. if they were just Scooby-Doo fans, you can just buy them individually. And even those are priced far below our usual suggested retail price for a normal single disc release. I wanted there to be value so that consumers would feel that Warner Brothers was making it easier for people to own these things and have them in their collection. And I hope people will be happy with it. You know, it's also notable, too, that Judy Jetson gets a whole movie, and therefore you have Janet Waldo playing Judy Jetson for a whole movie. And Rockin' with Judy Jetson is notable for that. And it's very entertaining. And I believe Ruth Buzzy plays the villain. Can't yep. go wrong there. <laughs> and then you have these, once again, Joe Barbera sold some crazy idea. Yogi Bear and the Magic Flight of the Spruce Goose. Uh, why? I don't know. But you didn't stop and question with Hanna-Barbera things. You just went with it. Here's the premise. Just enjoy yourselves. <laughs> I remember when I was really little, because I had experienced, you know, their earliest work in reruns, you know, seeing them. And I was already thinking this way as a kid. I saw them re-embrace their original characters mm-hmm. and make them a part of new works. And I like that very much because I wanted those characters to continue. And these films, you know, The Magical Fight of the Spruce Goose has an all-star Hanna-Barbera cast. That's right. And I'm assuming that Yogi's Ark Lark and Scooby Goes Hollywood have also been remastered. And so, Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're fully remastered from film. Beautiful, high-definition masters, brand new. They're sparkly. We're calling Scooby Goes Hollywood, Scooby Goes Hollywood, not Scooby-Doo Goes Hollywood or (laughs) Scooby-Doo Goes to Hollywood. If the packages have been all wrong, yeah, you know, I've been saying that's not the actual title. And even with the copyright office, it's registered as a variant title for that work. So (laughs) if they are to put it out that way, They're not jeopardizing copyright. So legally, it has two names, but I'm going with what's on the film. I think the film tells you a lot. And I say that all the time when we're remastering things. The film will tell you what you want to know. Mm -hmm. Also, when we were doing credits, the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. There's a supervising director, Ray Patterson. But then there's director Don Lusk Mm -hmm. in the end credits. So they both need to get a director credit, as far as I'm concerned. And that's what we're doing when we do the credit blocks for the back of the package. And that's important, too, to those of us who love these things, too. Our credits are everything. And one of the joys of the video era is that you can stop the credits and read them and see who did them. And with Hanna-Barbera cartoons, you're seeing the history of all animation in those credits. Yeah, because you're seeing a lot of folks that Bill and Joe worked with at MGM. You're also seeing many Warner Brothers veterans, Walter Lance veterans, people that worked at other studios. Hanna-Barbera was 
kind of a way to bring them together. And you were talking about Quickie Koala before. That was very important. That was one of the shows where we did a remaster for DVD. We would need to remaster it even better for Blu-ray. It's not a very well-known show, but it was the last thing that Tex Avery had any creative Mm -hmm. input in. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Bill and Joe looked at Tex and remembered their days working at the MGM cartoon unit and they did a guy a favor, you know, and gave him a place to work. And that's kind of the Hanna-Barbera, what I've learned only secondhand, of course, but knowing enough people who did work there, it was like a big family. That's my takeaway, that people really cared about each other. They cared about the work. I also understand Mr. Hanna and Mr. Barbera didn't always get along. Uh, that happens in families too, as we all know. Yeah. But what they achieved together as a team, I feel it's partially my responsibility here to make sure that their legacy lives and doesn't get swallowed up and buried with Warner Brothers' name all over it. We have owned the Hanna-Barbera Productions Library for 27 years now. But it's very important that their legacy live. And I would like to see us do more with that as a company Mm -hmm. and really make sure that it doesn't get lost. And other people have gotten wind of that from my perception. I know they opened up an animation studio overseas and it's branded Hanna-Barbera. So that made me very, very happy. I mean, there are other people who get it the way you do, Greg, and the way I hope I do. And we have such a wealth of amazing, differentiated works from their legacy. You brought up New Adventures of Huckleberry Finn before. You know, I remember watching that when I was very, very young and being very upset that it was taken off the air after a half season. But in those days, a half season was 20 episodes. Mm -hmm. So we remastered that and put it out on DVD, and people hadn't really seen it nice and clean and clear for a long time. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can give that the upgrade for Blu-ray also. But the list is endless. It is. It is. And they don't get enough credit for innovation because Huckleberry Finn was made because Jack and the Beanstalk with Gene Kelly had done so well and won an Emmy. And Huckleberry Finn was an extremely expensive show for primetime. And Hannah was saying, oh, we want to do this kind of stuff from now on. But what the networks have to do, you know, they have to please their sponsors and come up with programming that isn't too expensive for the same time slot. So a lot of times they'll lose a show because they could put something less expensive in its place. That was one of the most costly shows of its time. And Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks, those are exquisite and wonderful films, but the animation sequences are about 20 minutes or so. Hanna-Barbera was like really reaching to have a half hour every single week where they combined it. Yeah. That's a wonderful, wonderfully cool show. And I was so excited when that came out. Great theme. And that's Ted Nichols, who is an unsung hero. Uh, and if you watch Huckleberry Finn and listen to the music, you'll hear cues that were later used in Scooby-Doo and Josie and the Pussycats and Super Friends. I love that they reuse the library. <laughs> well, the tradition of that, I say, goes back to the Leroy Shield and Marvin Hadley cues for the Hal Roach comedies. Right. And I see it also in our monogram westerns. 
It's the same like six music cues in every Johnny Mac Brown movie. I love it. It's wonderful. And of course, that was what was so evident in the Picnic Basket CDs that Earl Crest did with my colleagues at Rhino years ago. I had no involvement with that. It was right before I got involved with the Rhino classic MGM Warner Brothers soundtrack thing. So I was just a consumer who went absolutely bananas that someone had done. I think Earl even put this in his notes. He made it a CD that he would have wanted to have gotten as a consumer, you know, and everything you could possibly hope to have. I didn't like as a child having re-recordings, you know, Mm -hmm. on little yellow records. I wanted to have soundtracks. That's what we're trying to do with what we're doing in the video realm is give people a chunk of Hanna-Barbera history. Yeah, and also introduce it to generations who, and I believe this because this is how we were as kids. I believe a lot of younger people, it's not just nostalgic. It's a lot of younger people who will see something and then they'll want to dig deeper, just like we did. Okay, where did this come from? What else did they do? Where else were these voices? What is the Flintstones? Oh, I like it. Now I want to see something else that they did. It isn't like you're necessarily locked into one thing when you've got that inquisitive mind. When somebody on online says, I've never seen this, like I've never seen Singing in the Rain, I will always say, then you have a wonderful opportunity. There's a whole world ahead of you. I'm so happy for you. Not, gosh, you're dumb. No, that means you're going to go farther. Exactly, because I think one of the things that's difficult in our position is how do you enlighten and expose a new generation to things that will open up a world to them, as you so eloquently said? When I was a kid, I was lucky that my parents plunked me down in front of the television and said, you need to watch this. It's called Singing in the Rain. That mm-hmm. literally is what happened. Mm-hmm. It also was Singing in the Rain in a 90-minute time slot with about 40 minutes of the film cut out. Mm. But it set me on my path for those films. You know, it opened up a whole world for me. My first world of interest from consciousness, my first favorite thing, I think, as an infant, was... Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear. I had the Knickerbocker stuffed dolls Mm -hmm. and basically went through, I think, one or two different sets of each. Anything Hanna-Barbera did, I was there. And as I grew older, I never lost my fondness for their work. And I appreciated the new directions they were taking. They also did some really interesting after-school specials and movies for TV. They did a lot of things that have really been forgotten, like, you know, Jose Ferrer's Cyrano de Bergerac. That's so good. (laughs) People need to see these things, and we need to make them available. You know, at least I know they exist, and I need to convince my colleagues that it's worth investing in making them look like 2024 releases should look with the best quality. Fortunately, they have negatives and proper protection elements, We did have, he's now retired, we did have a former Hanna-Barbera executive who moved to Turner when Turner bought Hanna-Barbera, who took care of the film elements. And he did a magnificent job. And he made interpositives from all the original negatives. So there was protection for the shows. 
now we're scanning original negatives at 4K mm-hmm. for digital preservation. But it's so important to protect your picture and your audio tracks. It breaks my heart to tell you how many original magnetic tracks we've sought out and we find out that they've gone vinegar and they can't even be played back anymore. Fortunately, there is always an optical protection, but magnetic is better than optical. Mm -hmm. This is all part of what we're doing. We're constantly reevaluating how protected are we with the world's largest film and television library. I'm happy to be part of a consortium of executives here who have the task of taking care of that sort of thing. When can people start looking for the Blu-ray of the Superstars 10 set? Well, there are pre-orders up at moviezing.com, which is the e-commerce site that belongs to our manufacturing distributing partner, Allied Vaughn. I think they'll probably be up at Amazon probably by the end of next week. It'll be like February 2nd. Something like that. A week from Friday or before. And like you've said on other interviews, if you like this and you get it, you're sending your vote to those people who look at the Excel spreadsheets and say, well, who wants this? Well, people do. This proves it. And that can lead to additional things. That's a very important thing. And if you want to find out more about George and about all of the other Warner Archives things, I highly recommend Tim Millard's Extras podcast because that goes into detail on almost every film that comes out on the Warner Archive. Isn't there a Facebook page, too, where people can Yes, um, Facebook.com forward slash Warner Archive. We have 330,000 followers at that page, and I've been maintaining it since 2000, either 9 or 10. I'm not sure we had it right away at the beginning, but I am always uh, paying great attention to what is said there. And, you know, sometimes I'll contact our social media team and get an answer to someone who's asked a nice, polite question. And We really want to keep that interaction going with our consumers so that they know that their voices are heard. And, of course, everybody wants everything yesterday. So we can't do that. Mm -hmm. But we're doing our best to try to keep up and please all these different fans. You've got Hanna-Barbera fans and DC fans and Hammer Film fans and Betty Davis fans and people who want Golden Harvest Jackie Chan movies and Mm -hmm. There are all these fan groups, and they want their priorities. People who like 90s movies get angry with us for releasing 30s movies. People who like 30s movies and 40s movies get angry when we release something more contemporary. So overall, I don't want to paint a dark picture because overall, our fan base really supports what we do, and we're very grateful. But that's the way to do business now, because um, you mentioned in one of your other interviews about the editor of Wired put out a book about the long tail and how that's the wave of the future. And while tentpoles and big extravaganzas are still a reality and are necessary, that long tail is based on almost like capillaries and veins and arteries going into niches And that if you can locate those niches and identify them, you can do quite well, as Oliver Hardy would say, in a business way, by locating them. And what you're doing 
is doing that. You have to have a hard shell for sometimes when people complain, but you're also going to get highly intelligent and reasonable requests. Absolutely. And I mean, if you look at this business, the genesis of Warner Archive began when the former president of our division, who at the time was just our online guy, Jim Wethridge, he came to me and he said, I have this idea for the long tail how we can make deeper library content available. And that was in 2002. And he was still trying to figure out how to make it work. We thought we would launch in 2006. It took till March 2009. We had looked at there were 4,000 titles available on VHS at one time, and there were only 1,500 available on DVD. And how would we make that up? And that was the impetus for what was eventually called Warner Archive. Mm -hmm. And we've now migrated from manufacturer-on-demand DVD business to we integrated replicating modest quantities of good quality Mm -hmm. uh, when we started doing television series and collections. We would replicate discs until the sales velocity would drop and then they would flip to DVD-Rs. But then we also introduced Blu-ray, which was never BDR, because BDR is not a good format. It is not stable. And every Warner Archive Blu-ray has been pressed, the same pressing plant as a Warner Home Video uh, retail release. We continue to make the shift to Blu-ray. Now we're all Blu-ray because the amount of sales we would get on a DVD release would be, even though most of the physical disc sales aggregate within the industry are still like over 50% DVD. That really is more around new releases and mass content. The collectors want Blu-ray and frankly, a lot of them are giving us a hard time saying we want 4K now on everything. Mm. When in fact there isn't 4K's worth of photography in a lot of older programming. And uh, my friend Robert Harris, the esteemed film preservation expert who has restored Lawrence of Arabia and My Fair Lady and so many other things, photochemically as well as digitally, he's been a mentor for me. And he has educated me about, you know, 4K on certain films is just sizzle. It's not necessary. Where on other films, especially wide format movies, it very much does change your experience and modern movies, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. So we're very happy with our Blu-ray business. We hope that we can continue to expand from just features with more animation, more television, especially more Hanna-Barbera. I never say never, so there is more on the way, but we're grateful as we can possibly be for all that you've made possible. It's not an easy road. Jerry Beck has said that many times, too. You know, there's a lot of convincing, a lot of negotiation, so we deeply appreciate everything you've done, and I personally am very privileged and proud to have been able to interview on the show. Thank you very much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, and uh, I'm happy to come by any time to talk about the things we both hold in so dear to our hearts. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. If you like, you know, click like, click subscribe. Most of all, please be with us next time. We love having you join us, and you'll be hearing from us soon again. Bye-bye. 
We hope you enjoyed the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbara with Greg Airbar. Please join us again and many thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely.